Where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? I'm going to start by eating this little piece of cheese. <laughs> That's how I'm going to start the show this week. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners won't mind. No. I'm hungry. <laughs> okay, Mike. I decided I'm keeping the tennis max. I'm pleased. I, I, you know, I felt like with the way that 2018 was going, you were going to tell me you'd like move down to the SE or something. I was going to come to this episode and tell you that I've, I've switched to Android. That's, that was going to be the end result. <laughs> like, hey, Mike. <laughs> if that ever happened, I'm pretty sure the subreddit would implode in upon itself. It would be an interesting episode, it that's sure for sure. It would be. Uh, but that's not this episode. That's I, not today. I, I will say I, I have pre-ordered a uh, Pixel 3 XL. Oh, have they come out with the new one? They sure have. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I I'm not too keen on the way that it looks, um, but I want to try it out. I like to always have an Android device around. Yeah, it's like a professional responsibility for you. Yeah, I think so. And plus, it's a fun new toy. Oh, they've gone with the notch too. They've gone well, with the notch well, too. Well, well, well. Look then who notch comes around. Is a lot bigger, and it still has a chin. And Google say that this is for front-facing stereo speakers, which, while I feel is a nicety, I'm not necessarily sure that people want that over a bigger screen. But um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. And again, it's like the Pixel Two is said to have a better camera than the 10s. So how good is the Pixel 3's camera going to be? So yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Um, so I've pre-ordered one of them. Uh, and uh, I will report back sometime in the future on my my findings. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious. I don't plan to switch to Android anytime soon, but I've always figured if that day ever came, I'd probably just get a Pixel. Like, it seems like that would be the obvious choice. It's the most iPhone-y Android phone. Yeah. The Pixel is closer to the iPhone than it is to other Android phones. Like, it's made by the platform vendor, and they they put a lot of effort into it their presentation was really interesting this time like they did a lot of like very traditionally apple things like they mm-hmm. had their chief design person do a little video and talk about their design process and stuff it was a it was an interesting presentation hmm. the response to this phone has been mixed so far i think amongst the android community because it feels like it's they're more expensive without there being a ton more but hmm. uh it, it looks good to me at least I'm keen to see how the reviews come out. Yeah, and I'm always glad like stuff like this exists. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to do Android, like go all in on Google. That seems yep. like the most sensible thing. Yeah, I know, like, right? Yeah, go Android, go all in on Google. Like I'll I'll do everything with Google if I ever go over to Android. Like I don't understand why you would do it otherwise. Like I love Samsung's design for hardware. I just can't stand their software design. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Sorry, I'm just finishing my cheese. More cheese? No, it's the same slice. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't eating it during the, the Android section. I didn't want to be rude, but I'm hungry. <laughs> so come on then, the 10s Max. Okay, listen. So here, let me tell you the moment that I knew. All right. So I didn't mention it last episode, but when I set up this phone, I made a decision to do a thing I haven't done in a really long time, which is set up the phone as a brand new device. Right, not from a backup so not from iCloud backup. I was like, you know what I want to do? Let me just try it because, boy, over the years have I flipped a lot of switches here and there in settings. And I thought, let me, let me see what Apple wants like the default experience to be. I just thought it would be like an interesting thing to do. 
It's less interesting than I was expecting because mostly it's like, no, all those switches <laughs> that, that I flipped, you I flipped do, them. Yeah, it's really, like, you know, there's not that much that you can actually really get into. Yeah, it was, it really was funny because I realized like, oh, I know immediately the things that are different and I don't like them, but there's also not an infinite number of them, right? So <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm glad I did this to get rid of a bunch of apps that I didn't remember to install, but that mm-hmm. like that was really the only outcome that happened there. Yeah. But there were a couple of days where I was still running my old iPhone X and sort of going back and forth to be like, oh, I need to get this thing off the X that doesn't transfer uh like or just i had to go back and forth between the two devices a couple of times just to check like oh has this moved over or how you know how do i want to set this thing up and i was one morning walking to the office and something occurred to me and i took out my phone to to make a note and in the process of making the note i looked down at the phone and i thought wait a second did i bring the x this morning i think i brought the x this morning and i was like oh no, I did bring the Max this morning. And I was like, well, I guess I'm keeping the bigger phone <laughs> ah, now. Right? If you I, got like, used to it very fast. I got used to it so fast. And it was really interesting that my reaction was this big phone, it could be bigger, right? Like I wouldn't notice if it was actually much bigger. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally keeping it. Uh, I really like it. I'm very happy with the big screen. And, you know, I'm, I'm liking it for... Uh, particularly for reading with the pop socket and other things like it's it's really nice i'm i'm happy to have this this big phone i'm sticking with it i just i couldn't believe that there was a moment where i was unsure is this really the big one or not and that was like okay well now it's not going back now it's sticking with me i mean you know i'm so happy with it Uh, in a similar way like it happens slightly differently for me but i think i may even mentioned it on our last episode the 10 felt tiny within minutes Mm. of me using it i absolutely love this phone i love everything about it it's it's really great i'm very very happy with it and i'm pleased that you have stuck with that size too because i think it is again i mean i'm always going to say this but i think it is the better size for a lot of people not for everyone i understand but i really do feel like on these pocket computers the bigger screens you have you just have much more benefit all the time yeah and i know you also want to collect members for your max club yep yeah, and so Max you can club. you can count me as a as a member of the club that you are the king of. Oh, you know something else I'm gonna love on my phone very soon. Stardew Valley is coming to iOS. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, uh, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, very exciting. I, I don't want social obligations. The game on my phone, but uh, you know, it, it's I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I did actually. I read an article recently that was about the developer and the thing that you told me when we first reviewed that game on the show about how yep. like it was just this one man project. Yep. And man, again, just incredibly impressive that a single human being made that game. It's just like inconceivable to me. You did a profile in GQ. That's probably what you read. That sounds like what it was. I think that's that's where I came across. I don't I don't, I don't have any idea how this came into my radar, but it did somehow and I read through it and I was like, "Oh man, this this sounds like a brutal process this guy went through. Uh, mm-hmm. He produced an amazing piece of artwork. And what's supposed to happen in those situations has happened, which is the world has showered him with money. And so it's like, I, I hope the iOS release does the same thing again. I never thought it was going to happen. Like, I felt like if it would have happened, it would have happened already. I'm very excited about the possibility of having that with me all the time. 
scared a little <laughs> too. Also excited. All right, well, you'll be able to tend your farm from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Give gifts to people in the village so that they like you, and and it'll suck your whole life away, Mike. <laughs> I'm excited about that possibility. This episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at FreshBooks. FreshBooks know how important it is for you to make smart decisions for your business. And one of the smartest decisions that you can make is using FreshBooks. And let me tell you a few reasons why. One, you're going to save yourself a ton of time. FreshBooks have calculated that they can save you up to 192 hours. That's a lot of hours, folks, with their cloud accounting software because it's so easy to use. FreshBooks will help you simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. And because of this, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people that use their service to deal with their paperwork. Nobody wants to have to deal with paperwork, especially, now I'm a pen and paper guy, but I never want to have to deal with the paper version of paperwork. And that's one of the great things about FreshBooks. It's all online. No one's mailing invoices to each other. Come on. It's 2018. And do you know what's even better when you use something like FreshBooks? Because And this is even better than emailing invoices. You don't even want to be dealing with PDFs in 2018. Because with FreshBooks, everything is taken care of. You generate your invoices in their system, which is all beautiful. It's easy to use. And it's what you see is what you get. So as you're building the invoice, you see exactly how it's going to look when it hits the inbox of your client. And then because you send it all through their system, FreshBooks can keep track of everything for you. They will know and can tell you when your client has seen the invoice. They will tell you if the client has printed the invoice. This puts an end to all of those guessing games. Did they get it? Did they look at it? You don't have to send those chaser emails. And even more than that, FreshBooks can automate late payment email reminders for you so you spend even less time chasing payments and paperwork and more time doing whatever it is that you do to make that money roll in. If for any reason you have not yet tried out FreshBooks, I want you to try it. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. When you're going through the process, they'll say, oh, hey, how do you know about FreshBooks? Say, I heard about it on Cortex. Look, if for any reason you ever send any invoices or you do any expense tracking, please do yourself a favor and check out FreshBooks. We've used them for like four years now. We sent over a thousand invoices at this point, maybe getting up to 1,500. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I trust them with our work and it's super important to me. And I think you're going to love it too. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. So last time on the show, we spoke about home screens. Um, there were actually quite a lot of people that were interested in seeing what your watch face looked like mm. right now. <sighs> okay. I mean, we, we can do this. Do you want to see my watch face? I mean, I have no watch face to show you. Right? Yeah, this is, I was literally just about to ask you for your watch face. And then I had a little, like a little pang of sadness. I mean, I can take I a picture of my watch and send it to you if you want. I would like, yeah, I would like you to do that. Put that in the show notes, please. Take a picture of your watch face. And can you send it to me now? I would like to see that first, actually. Did you get it? I have received your watch face. Mm -hmm. I mean, just from a a pure aesthetic perspective, your watch face beats my watch face. There's There's no no doubt about that. There's no question question at all. (laughs) (laughs) This was not one of those things where I was willing to debate, right? Like... It's like aesthetically and for pure function of what's the time. Yeah. I win. Yeah. It's a nice looking watch face. I don't normally like 
the white watch faces. This one looks good. This Nomos brand. It photographs peculiarly because really, when I look at it, it's it's a little bit more silvery really? than okay. it is. That I mean, it is white, like, but it, when I look at it in most lights, it's it's not pure white. It's got, it's kind of like a mix. It's like a, it's like hmm. closer to like a bright silver in a way. It's hard to describe. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, functionality wise, it doesn't look like it has any Todoist integrations. And no, I don't it think it's showing no. you the weather. No. What is that little dial above the the seconds dial? This little circle. It's the power meter. Is how much like wind I have left in the spring. Ah, okay. As it feels more red, it means it needs to be wound. When I wind it, the red goes away. Okay. I would want it to be green like a battery. <laughs> right, but it's the opposite, right? It, it's, it's yes, I understand the point that you make. There is that little dial is green. This the rest of it's kind of a greeny color. What is this watch that doesn't photograph the colors that it is? What kind of technology is this? I don't understand. <laughs> lighting, man. Lighting really makes a difference. It's it, it yeah, anyway. But uh that that little the power gauge or the gung reserve as it's called. Um, Whoa. Okay. That was what sold me on this watch originally. I think I mentioned hmm. this the first time we spoke about it, but that that was what originally sold me on this. I loved that little design element. Ah, it's a very nice looking watch. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice looking watch, Mike. All right, so show me what you got then. <sighs> oh, okay. Well, look. I mean, before I show you anything, I just have to say I'm experiencing a great deal of dissatisfaction. Oh. Okay. Just for the record. I feel like in a moment of life, I'm actually very happy with all of the technology in my life. So I'm not, I'm not always like, oh, I'm complaining about things. I'm generally very happy, like with all the things that I'm using in my life right now. But I am sort of super frustrated with the watch and the watch faces. And I don't know. I don't know how in detail I can psychologically get into this today. So I might just blow past this. But I will say that I am trying. I'm trying the new infographic watch face that came out with the series four so let me send that to you okay (laughs) what are you laughing at mike prepare for cortex i feel like we should start like that should just be the way the show opens for everyone you know (laughs) prepare oh right prepare for cortex cortex is happening to you right when tuesday most of the time rolls around sometimes (laughs) yeah sometimes yeah it gets uh, it gets pushed to people's watches, and it says "prepare for cortex." So, yeah. what, what? I don't know why that's so funny. Mike. Oh, that's definitely the name of this episode. Prepare for cortex. I'm glad this is amusing to you, Mike. What is the 32? Okay, all right. Let me let me let me go around this watch face here. So, yep. the infographic watch face is the new one from Apple, and it's the one that they want to be able to show you a. Billion pieces of information. And I maintain, good idea in theory, right? Like, computer watch should be able to show you lots of information. That's why you wear it. Yeah. Good idea in theory, ass ugly in execution. So I uh, will say, I mean, you you probably haven't seen this, but like this is a thing um, that people are talking okay. about. Our good friend of the show, Marco Arment, who is a watch aficionado, the reason that I wear the watch that I wear Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote like a a really interesting article about why it's hard to read the time on this face. Oh, hmm. okay. Uh, and kind of like 
shows like because as he knows right like how it compares to more traditional watch faces as well so like yes this is this is potentially what you're frustrated about with this is something that is being spoken about in the wider kind of apple observer community uh okay all right that's that's interesting to hear that i'm not just like a man in an island then because it's i'm frustrated with a bunch of interactions of of various parts of the watch like Mm -hmm. i don't know I don't want to get into it now, but let's let's just say I took a lot of different screenshots of all the possible combinations of all the different watch faces and was furious. Yeah. Um, let's just but... say. <laughs> like, it was a thing that happened one morning when I was really angry. Yeah. And and part, part of it is, like, to just try to not get into the whole of it, but to distill it down, you really only have a very few options. Like, Apple kind of pretends like there's a million watch faces, but there's actually about, like, six different kinds and then the instant you decide on something that you want you basically have no choices and you have to live with the compromises of whatever watch face gives that so one of the reasons i am trying the infographic watch face is omnifocus has a complication integration that will, if you're using one of the watch faces that allows you to display text from a complication you can pick a perspective and it will show you whatever the top item is in that perspective. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of half used this before, but since the new watch and since a lot of the changes in OmniFocus 3, I've, I've been like, oh, I can actually build a perspective that shows exactly what I want when, and let me really use this on the watch. And I have to say, it's a huge deal for me. It's, it is a really big deal to have this custom perspective that on my watch face always shows at any moment the thing that past me thought would be the most important thing for me to do at this moment. So is that like, what Prepare for Cortex is? Yeah, so Prepare for Cortex. Right, that's actually the point from OmniFocus. I thought it was like right. a calendar thing. Interesting. No, it's not okay. a calendar. So this is, this is like, here's the whole scope of this. That is a thing that came up on the watch at the time when I have scheduled like the item that the thing that I should be doing right now is preparing for Cortex, you know, in like the couple hours leading up to the show and get, you know, get ready, prepare. Mm. I have tried to do this in the past with the calendar. And like we've, we've discussed this on the show, like building out a calendar that shows this is how I should be theoretically spending my time at any particular point. But it never quite worked as well with the calendar, partly because like time just marches on and you'll always be seeing like what's now or what's coming up next. But with this, I can arrange I can arrange it so like a really good example is when, you know, it's time to go to the gym. Like that little item pops up and it's at the top of my omnifocus list. But I can design the list in such a way so that I think that's a really important thing to do for the day and it will stay at the top of the list and it will stay at the top of the watch and other items won't displace that. So even if I'm working on something else, every time I look at the watch, if I haven't gone to the gym yet, it reminds me like, hey, past you thought like the the next most important thing future you should be doing is going to the gym. And this is one of the ways I really like technology. It's like a useful nag 
and a, and a useful way for like the past and the present me to communicate to each other. And uh, we can talk about it a, a little bit later in the show, but like I really think this is this is made a big like this is a big deal. Like I really love it. I want a watch face that has the omnifocus text complication. But then there's very few watch faces that will let you do this, and most of them look kind of the same. And let me send you another little screenshot. So like second best watch face that does this is utility watch face. But utility watch face has two problems. It puts the text on the bottom, which is super ugly. And if you look at the words prepare for cortex, you can see that the letters are like uneven. I hate right? it. There, there's, yeah, there is a reason in typography you only ever write words with the bottom of the letters pointing towards the center of the circle, right? Like if you if you look at coins, coins will only ever write the words around the edge such that the bottom of the letters point toward the center of the circle because it looks really ugly if you spread the letters out. It looks so weird. It looks like that they're like aligned differently even though i know they're not it looks like it's kind of all like wiggly it's very strange yeah the if you look at the prepare like the p looks lower than the r and then the e looks lower they're all kind of like slanting in different degrees yeah it's weird yeah it's like someone gives you a big toothy smile and all of their teeth are pointing out and there's spaces between their teeth like that's what it looes like and i assume this is an optical illusion of some description (laughs) i've zoomed in if if you zoom in what i think is happening is the letters are actually it looks like they're like a like a half a pixel off there there is some unsmoothness oh yeah i think the perception of it becomes magnified at a smaller size yeah so it's half optical illusion but it's it's half a reality now in the latest version of watchos apple converted all of these watch faces that used to let you have this straight segment of text on the bottom into this curved segment of text was just it's so ugly i refuse to use it like it just it doesn't work i have a million other complaints about the watch faces as well with like the, the way they force color sometimes but don't allow color yeah. other times yeah it's really really infuriating i was for a little while so frustrated with the color choices i was trying to run the watch in grayscale mode which is an option in accessibility which actually looks great on the watch faces but it it so limits your ability to understand notifications quickly that the trade off just isn't worth it yep so anyway it's it's like what watch faces are left that let you write the text straight it's like well there's solar which i was using for a while which for some reason still has the text straight across the bottom there's modular uh which is really ugly and has all kinds of problems so really the only watch face where i can get the omnifocus complication and it's it doesn't have some ugly trade off or some functionality trade off is pretty much the infographic one so that's why i'm trying really hard to make infographic work for me but what don't you like about the infograph face then the one that you're using like what is it that you don't like about it the very fact that the text goes across the top in this arc it actually does make that text really easy to read but it makes the time harder to read because the yeah. hour markers are have been removed mm-hmm. and so it's like couldn't we put this text above the dial no it's got to go 
over the dial. Like, okay, great. Thanks for that. Yeah, I think the other problem is if you have data coming from the complications that are in the middle of the face, the hands cover them for yeah. significant parts of the day. Yeah, it is remarkable how often the hands are covering those center complications. But I don't... The edge complications... So the ones that I have on this watch have been extraordinarily carefully selected to minimize ugly, right? And it's, I have the carrot complication for carrot weather, which again, carrot team, I cannot express enough love to you for all of the options that you make available in your complications. It's incredible. I think that's just one person, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just assumed it was like hundreds of people for all no. of the options, nope. uh, including the best option that... Nobody else does, which is allowing Carrot to force monochrome complications on the watch. Mm -hmm. That's great and improves the looks tremendously. Um, so Carrot Weather is there. I have the date on the bottom. And then I, I sort of didn't really need another complication, but it looks really weird if, you just, if you're missing one of those slots. And so I tried to find something that was useful but also didn't have text on it. And the other one that I'm using is the timer, which is genuinely handy because it's the only one on the watch that I do sometimes go to, like, tap and do a thing with. I mean, like, I don't want to talk to the watch to set a timer. So those are the ones that I've, I have there. But, it like, it really has been this battle of trying to make this watch face not look like a terrible, ugly mess. And I just think whoever, like, whoever is in charge of the design of, complications and watch faces has just some very strange aesthetic preferences um like i can't believe how how often they really intensely want to have lots of text on the screen in places it doesn't seem to make any sense and other places where there's no text where you would want some on the bottom there where I have the day and the date uh -huh. it's amazing how many watch faces when you select the date complication don't give you the, any ability to see what day of the week it is. Just the number. Yeah, it's just the number. It's like, if you like this watch face, enjoy this number. But that that's typical watch design. Oh, yeah. Which, again, it's like, you, you don't have to be tied to that because it's a computer. It's not a watch. Like, it, yeah. it is possible. There are watches that do it, but it's an incredibly complex mechanism. Yeah. If you have to mechanically express the day yeah. of the week in a watch, like that is a it's hell wild. of a job, right? Yeah. Like it's not easy to do. Do you not like the corner ones then? Because that would keep the stuff out of the face. So the problem with the corner ones is they just strike me as so much more ugly or they have weird, unnecessary text. Or you run into the problem of like, if I have the OmniFocus complication at the top, complications above that make things so much harder to read then because okay. again like all the corner complications seem very word focused like they want to show you words and this is this is the way that i found to try to make it the simplest visually but it does have this weird trade-off that the hands are going over the center complications and uh, it's also so strange that it genuinely looks better if you just do it in monochrome in the accessibility, but you, you know, it's, it has too much of a trade-off. And again, I'm not, I'm fine with this, but I can say I'm just deeply frustrated that there's really only like six different kinds of watch face and that almost half a decade into the Apple watch existing, 
there this is really the first new watch face to come along since the very beginning that's even remotely useful uh that's not just like here's a picture or here's a kaleidoscope <laughs> okay I'm, I'm really trying to hold back because i don't want to get into like all of the thousands of details but that's i'm reasonably pleased with this but i'm also deeply frustrated at the watch face limitations mm-hmm. um like i'll give you one one example with this watch face about strange decisions around color so you'll notice that the second hand is red now one of the things is like i don't even know why i need a second hand on this watch i don't care it doesn't add anything it just always gets in the way you can change the second hand to be a different color but then it also changes the color of the whole ring around the exterior of the watch right and which is not necessary which is not necessary and they don't give you white as an option so it's like if you want a white ring around the edge you have to have a red second hand the closest you can get is something they call soft white but then the contrast of soft white is like half as much as regular white on black so it's like who made the decision that you can't just have a white second hand without also tying it to this other decision and there's so many things on the watch that are like that it's like oh yeah you can have this but it also comes with this terribly annoying other compromise that seems unnecessary it's very strange yeah i think they're gonna continue having these problems for a long time This, this the design of the watch ui feels vastly more personal yeah than other parts than other software that apple designs and I think it, this comes with wearing something on your body. You kind of want to choose it more. And yeah. I think people get uh, more likely to get frustrated with the way that this thing looks than they would with how like the widget screen in iOS looks. Yeah, it's a totally fair comparison because, sure, there's many things about my phone that I would want them to look differently. Uh, see the last episode where I went through great effort to get rid of all the words below mm. the icons. But it doesn't feel the same in the way this does. That like a watch is so much more of a personal, a personal aesthetic choice. And yeah, it just it just seems I don't think it's good that everyone gets locked into these very few watch faces. And you know, just informally surveying my friends who have Apple watches, everybody's using like basically two of the watch faces right it's like that's not a good sign there should be a whole bunch of different watch faces that everybody uses but if you want to have any kind of information display you're bullied into just like two or three usable choices but all of that complaining aside i do really love the bigger watch and i i really really love having the omnifocus complication on the face um it's a it's a really big deal and i think this is the way I like to try to think about technology is, oh, this thing should be adding something to my life. Like this should be helping me be better in some way. And this is a great example of like the OmniFocus complication on the watch and always just seeing it there, even if I don't follow it perfectly, it that subtle reminder from the past of like, this is the thing that you should be doing now is is great and and super instructive. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by HelloFresh. 
the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. And you won't need to spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take around 30 minutes to prepare. Having everything delivered to you means you can spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping every week, and instead spend that time on the things that you love. Everything is delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. Even amidst the after-school chaos, HelloFresh's meal kits make it easy to decide what to do for dinner, so you can look forward to your delivery knowing dinner just got so much easier. Alright, I want to tell you a little story. I have been a HelloFresh customer for over three years. My wife, Adina, and I, we weren't married then, but we were living together. We were kind of getting stuck in a rut. I didn't know how to cook, um, and I knew very little about kind of the food in the world. Like, I wasn't very experienced of eating in general, and I would kind of, like, not really want to try new things. But we were getting frustrated with having the same stuff to eat all the time, and I'd seen HelloFresh around, I'd seen it advertised, and I decided I would give it a go. We have been getting a HelloFresh box every single week for the last three years since. HelloFresh has changed my life. I don't say that very lightly. I absolutely 100% mean it. I now know how to cook lots of recipes. There are HelloFresh recipes that we repeat because we love them so much. Because you get the recipe cards. They also have a great app which has step-by-step videos and stuff so you can keep it going yourself. But we have the cards and now there's a bunch of meals that I just recook. There are so many things that excite me now when we go onto the website every week and pick what meals we want from the selection. There is something kind of amazing about being shown a selection of meals and you have to choose. And every single time there's something that I've never eaten before, but I am so much more willing to try stuff now because I always like what HelloFresh sent me, even if it's something completely new. I've never hated a HelloFresh recipe. And this is three years of we do three meals a week with them. And I now am so much more adventurous with the food that I eat because I'm being introduced to new things. But also, I am comfortable cooking. I love to cook. And that's because of HelloFresh. It has taught me some skills that are genuinely valuable and really opened my mind up to some of the food that's out there in the world. If you feel like you don't have enough variation in the food that you're eating, or if you just think you'd want to try something new, or if you're fed up of doing meal planning, especially if you have a young family, right? I'm sure you're very busy all the time. This is something that you really, really should try. And you can get a great deal because you listen to this show. You can get a total of $60 off. That is $20 off your first three boxes. So it's $20 off your first three boxes, a $60 in total savings, by going to hellofresh.com slash cortex60 right now. That's basically six meals for free. Just go to hellofresh.com slash cortex60 and you can get that great deal. Please try it. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Can you remind me the name of your theme for this year? <laughs> this isn't a joke. I've just genuinely forgotten. <laughs> you were so happy when I announced it, Mike. It's the year of order. 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 That's what it was. So you, I think, have made some changes in your life this year that I don't think you were expecting to make when you created the year of order. Um how no. do you feel like where we are now, like approaching the end of the calendar year? Do you feel like that the things that you're going through right now with leaving the internet 
are a part of the Year of Order? Is it a part of something else? Like, do you feel that these this is matching up? Well, we're not allowed to talk about upcoming themes. No. Even though this spoilers? is the time of year that everybody wants to talk about it. Spoilers. Leaving the internet, to me, is a very perfect bridge project. Okay. Is, is the way I'll, I'll put it. Okay. Uh, it's not, not part of the year of order, and it's not not part of the next thing. It's okay. a It's very much a connective tissue uh, between these two between these two different things. Cool. That's a yearly theme teaser then. Um, so how is the year of order going still? Like are you still working within that in any way? Well, Oh, Mike, I feel like you're pu- you're pushing me. You're pushing me into this thing. You're pushing me into this thing. Not intentionally. No, I know you're not. That's why you know it's okay. But <sighs> there have been a bunch of things this year that were very unexpected and not predicted at the start of the year of order. But it's also I haven't spoken about these things because it's that thing that we've discussed where you have to have some boundary between what is personal life and then what is public when you do work in the public eye. And so, yeah, like there's a bunch of things that in theory would have been interesting or good updates for the year of order as as the year has gone on but i haven't wanted to talk about them because the things themselves feel to me like this this is on the personal side of like there have to be boundaries in my life and so this thing like oh yeah even though it's a big deal like i'm i'm just deciding that this is not a like a public topic of conversation sure um but yeah, I like knowing in it if if I had if I could like rewind the clock and know in advance how the year was going to go, I don't think I would have picked year of order as the as the theme for the upcoming year. I would have been like, you know what, let's do that a different time. <laughs> let's not do that in this year in particular. Right, and my assumption on this would be, again, I think knowing a little bit about how your year has gone. Yeah, the. There's just stuff you can't put order to. That is an excellent way to put it. There's been a bunch of stuff that order cannot be put to. However, I think my challenge would be that maybe it would have gone... It would have been even more chaotic if you weren't already in the order mindset. Like, maybe the beginning of the year, you put maybe putting some stuff in order, maybe helped you deal with everything else. Nothing terrible, by the way. Like, you know... um, just you've just had a lot going on so maybe maybe you've been able to deal with that a little bit better um well yeah like if if we're if we're doing a preview of like the year review for sure that has been the case and the clearest case for me where it made the biggest difference is with a lot of the travel stuff mm-hmm. that um by having year of order as the theme i was it allowed me to reframe travel as instead of constantly thinking of business travel as these 
one-off things that are hugely disruptive events to reframe them as, no, this is part of your life now, and this is probably part of your life for a horizon of, you know, a few more years maybe. And by reframing that as these are just part of life now, I, I feel like I made a lot better, more orderful kind of travel decisions that, while travel's never not incredibly tiring, that didn't push me to, like, destroyed at the end of traveling. Okay. Like, this summer was way busy, uh, again, with a lot of sort of business stuff. But I was I was very pleased that I made a lot of decisions that revolved around that revolved around saying no to opportunities to try to preserve some kind of regular schedule while traveling. And it's not an easy thing to do in the moment because you're you're traveling because there's some good reason to travel. But I I can't say I regretted saying no to any of those opportunities because particularly for the summer, like it made the whole of the summer not as catastrophically draining as it, as it had been like two years ago. Um, so yeah, for sure. Thinking of this in terms of year of order of like, you can't have a chaotic schedule for six weeks of travel in a row. Like you have to try to have some kind of order here totally made a difference in like, mitigated a bunch of problems from from the previous year but like on the on the much more positive side of of the year of order so like not so much mitigation of disaster but part of this whole idea of the year of order was was try like try to do things in the order that you think of them as important you decide on a schedule and like try to stick to that schedule and i don't quite want to say that this is related to going away from the internet. I don't think the data is in yet, but boy, have I had a month where I feel like it's been a tremendous success for the year of order that, you know, September until now has been much, much better on average of like, what are the things that you're supposed to do and actually doing them in order? But doesn't this seem... Like the logical conclusion, though, because you gave yourself more time. So wouldn't you have then more time to do things? Of course. Of course, Mike. I don't yeah. disagree there. I, I'm, I'm simply saying like what I don't want to do is I don't want to draw the conclusion yet because in my life, I've always gone through periods like this where... Sure. Right. You're more or less orderful, like you're more on top of work and you're you're less on top of work. You know, I, I always think of it as like you have periods of bounty and bounty is always followed by a season of fallow. And yeah. that's just yeah. that's just the way it works. And sure, this seems like a much longer period of bounty than normal, but it's still not such an extreme departure that I can say, oh, something's totally different and it must have it must have changed. So that that's why I'm just I'm like I'm being overly cautious because I also don't like I don't want to be the guy who based on not enough time and not enough data is like oh, I've left the internet and now I'm enlightened and everything is great. Like this is that's not how it goes. Yeah, and I'm pleased that you're approaching it that way, right? Cuz it would be silly. It would be silly to just be like, "Oh, fixed it." Yeah, exactly. It would be super dumb 
And that's part of the whole reason why I wanted to do this for a really long stretch of time. Because you may, and you will, develop new habits that will take up time yeah. in the same way that internet would have taken up time. Do they end up being better for you in the long run? Like, that's what you need to work out. Yeah, exactly. So that's why like, I just, I just want to be cautious about it. But the other thing that does coincide with this is a bunch of the things that have happened this year to which order cannot be put are also now behind me. And so it has been like, okay, it's easier now to actually try to put this into action uh, because I don't have these other things in my life. And I know I've mentioned it on the show before, but I find something existentially terrifying about having a day where you wake up and it's as successful as a day can possibly be where you feel like, I have a list of things that I want to do. Uh, my watch is showing them to me in order. And I'm going through, and I'm ticking off the things, and I get to the end of the day, and I think, God, what a, like, what a satisfying day this was. I could not imagine this day having realistically gone differently. Like, I couldn't have been more productive than I was, which doesn't necessarily mean that I was using every single hour, like, towards work, but it just means, like, the day could not have been a better day. Like, this is how days should be. But then also realizing how few things on your infinite list of things to get through you can realistically do. Mm. And I'm coming off of, like, 10 days in a row where I have just been nailing it, like, out of the park every day. Like, bam, home run. Get up, look at my list, work through the things. Like, I'm going to the office when I should be, going to the gym when I should be. After I'm doing, like, reading the books, I'm doing all of these things. And, like, boom, boom, boom. Here's exactly how I imagine the day should be. And it's like, bam, hitting it out of the park every time. But I look at my list on OmniFocus when I get to my weekly review and realize, like, boy... I haven't made it past the like top two or three folders of like, here are the most important things in 10 days worth of like, I can't imagine better days in my life. So I, I just, I just mentioned it cause it's, it's an interesting example to me of like really being forced to confront this reality in life that the selection of what you work on is just so important and really coming eye to eye to the re with the reality of how many projects can a person work on and it's far fewer than you think it is and like recognizing that i have a ton of these projects that's like even if i had three months in a row like this i'm never gonna get down to these projects at the bottom of, of this list. Uh, so yeah, I find it existentially terrifying uh, to really, to, to face that so head on when things are, when things are going well. I am sure you've spoken about this before. Yeah, uh, that, but that, that's why I don't want to claim like going off the internet as being related to this. Yeah. Because I know that like, sometimes I have these periods where it's like, bam, everything is going great. This has just been an unusually long period, but it's, it's still the same thing. And it's never any less terrifying. Well, maybe like there's something interesting there in that like, even with leaving the internet, mm -hmm. you still will feel like this, which I think is 
talking about something that is maybe more core to you in that potentially you are prone to taking on more than you can cope with? Well, yeah. So like a great example of this is I mentioned uh, Project Golem back in, in January. And boy, this week has really made me think about how this thing that I want to do that I've I've wanted to do for years and have kind of like tinkered around with in various ways. It's hard to imagine having genuine mental space for this in my life. Hmm. And it's like, well, maybe this is one of those things that like it just has to it just has to go or at best it could be a thing that is alternated with other projects but then that means like really accepting what are the trade-offs in terms of sacrifices from other projects but it's just i don't know it's it's interesting to think about there's this there's this funny feeling that that like oh there's so much time in the world but in any particular day there's not a lot of time and bringing projects to completion means being able to put effort into them on a daily basis. And so the like the selection is just so incredibly important. Like you're just so much more limited than than you think you are in terms of time. Yeah, I've had some just items on my to-do list I just keep shifting at the moment. Yeah. And one of them is looking to only focus. <laughs> you know i was right like when in last episode future editing mike immediately downloaded OmniFocus and started tinkering around with it a little bit more but like you know these are just those things where it's like well that would be nice at some point but yeah you just never really get to them i have quite a few things like that right now which are like rethinking some of my workflows and stuff mm-hmm. thinking about some of the apps that i keep data in and if i want to change them or if there's maybe something better for me than just using Apple Notes to collect all of that information and I'm toying around with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, what I actually need to do is sit down for like three hours and move the data. Right. But I just keep moving the task instead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even uh, I have the same thing where I have a bunch of those, those little tasks, which in theory are like, flagged in my system of like oh you should you should do this thing or i don't know even the ones that i feel really badly about like a flag an item of you need to reply to this person who got in touch with you and it's like yes i do i do need to do that but it's also hard to imagine when does this fit in on a on a perfect day because there is an infinite time and it's like yep i've got a couple of those where it's like going to defer again until tomorrow and maybe there'll be time tomorrow even though realistically i don't have any expectation that there will be time for this tomorrow and and yeah it it comes to a point of like when do you decide like this is a thing that is just never going to happen uh and like kill this project out and say i'm just going to accept like it's it's just not going to happen and i'm not going to keep deferring it or coming to the end of the day and being like, nope, I didn't get to the bottom of this list, not even remotely. We haven't got our usual solution to this point. <laughs> what do you mean? Are we supposed to come up with a solution? I'm not trying to come up with a solution. I I think what I'm trying to say here is 
almost a thing that like it's good for me to hear and I think is good for the listeners to hear. It's like even if you're a person who carefully considers the projects that they commit to, it's still very easy to overestimate how much can actually be done. And I mean, you you know me, Mike. I say no to a lot. I mean, it's not just that, though. You say no to a lot of things that actually make financial sense Yeah. as well. You know, like, you don't just say no because, like, someone comes along with some harebrained idea and, you know, you say no to things that most people would say yes to because they're sensible to do. Right. You, and and it's, it's one of the things that I like about you is the you consider things differently to other people and it's interesting to to see that sometimes the reasons that you have for saying no to something you know, like it's like oh well this is going to give you 10 percent more income but it's like well but i don't want to do it right you know and, and that's a different people do things like that differently you know yeah i guess it's i don't know maybe it's sort of related to my feelings on this are similar to the feelings of of leaving the internet. It's like, well, I feel like I'm a person who does a pretty good job of being very careful about decisions and what I'm going to commit to and what I'm going to try to do. And then still seeing that it's, it's easy to overestimate how much can be done. And in the similar way that I feel with the internet stuff that I've always been the person who's super careful about what notifications I let into my life and what apps are installed on my phone and and when do I do things. But I still felt like, oh, but the internet still got me, even though among everyone I know, I'm at this extremely cautious end of things. And then it's just like, oh, this is a thing worth thinking about for a while. Uh, There's not necessarily any particular conclusion that's coming out of it. Like there's no neat way to wrap up the topic, but it's just something it's just something worth thinking about and focusing on in life. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by our friends at Casper. Casper is the company focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Now, if you are a good Cortex listener, you should be tracking your time so you have some idea of how your life is being spent. And ideally, one-third of that life should be spent asleep. If you are going to spend 33% of your time doing anything, you don't want to do it poorly. You want to make sure it's the best. And that's where Casper comes in. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. How can a mattress be so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foam for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. And their mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Now, as you'll find out later in the show, sleep has gone up very high on my list of priorities, and that's one of the reasons why I sleep on a Casper. It's just an incredibly comfortable mattress. And for bonus points, I didn't have to leave the house to get it. No, it was delivered right to my house in a box that I pulled apart and poof, out came a mattress. Now, sleep is important to you. 
even if you don't know it yet. So you're going to order a Casper, and you have no reason to worry, because Casper is so confident in their mattresses, they will give you 100 nights to try it. That's right, a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You have absolutely nothing to lose. So you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash cortex and using cortex at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash cortex and use code cortex at checkout. Thanks to Casper for supporting the show, all of Relay FM, and helping me to get a good sleep at night. We have not visited the Cortex Book Club in a while, and I think that maybe on our next episode we should do so. So would you like to set a book for us to read? Oh, you're going to pin this on me, Mike? Well, I don't choose them. Do I choose them? No, I don't choose them. I think you've always chosen them. I think that's, no, that's wrong. Don't don't put this on me, because okay. as listeners will know, the quality of the books may vary quite a lot. Which is okay, what so should we say when... that this book chose itself? Like, how do we work this one out? Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> that well, I don't choose the books, man. The books choose me. Yes, that's exactly right. The books choose me. And looking around, business books, basically for titles that I recognize, there's like, oh, that sounds familiar and famous. And so uh, one, I, one I have heard recommended from a bunch of people is The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. Okay. So that's going to be Cortex Book Club for next time. I know so nothing about the book. Feel <laughs> free to read it, right? Feel free yes, to read it if you want to. That's an excellent way to put it. Yeah. But if it's bad, it's not my fault. If it's great, Cortex gets all the credit. But yep. if it's a terrible book, it's not Cortex's fault. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah, feel free to read it. You don't need to, but it, it, you know, you've probably you may have heard or you probably have heard one of our book club episodes by now. I'll put a couple in the show notes in case you haven't. But if you've heard one, you'll know that by and large, you don't need to have read the book to get something out of those episodes. But if you have done that and like to do it, then this is the next one that we're going to be doing uh, on an episode soon. The next yeah. one. But it's yeah. the next episode is soon. Okay. Yeah, sure. We will... The next episode comes out when it comes out, Mike. That's when the next episode comes That's out. That's what but, I'm going with with soon. No. Right? Like, it's not next week, not the week after, just soon. Soon in, in gray time. Relative terms. Yeah, not not what Tomorrow. people think of as soon. When, yeah, people say soon, they think, oh, I'm not going to be able to read the book before then. Oh, you'll have time to read the book. Don't worry. Unless it's out already, and this episode is in the future, and sure. you're listening to it, right? You're you're catching up on. Yeah, Cortex. but now we're in a time paradox, and like you know what happens when we get there, right? What happens when we get there is we bail out and we go straight to Axe Cortex. TJ and a million others asked a lot of a lot of people asked this: How did you get no names on your folders? How did you get that to work? There are invisible ASCII characters mm-hmm. that if you, ju- if you just Google around for invisible character, you will find websites that allow you to copy and paste an invisible character. And you can use that in all sorts of places where websites or apps demand that you write text, but you don't want to. You can put these invisible characters in and it often tricks the system into thinking that you've written something, which is great. And I will give Mike a shortcut that just copies an invisible character straight onto your clipboard, which is what I've done just to make it easy. 
CFD asks, with Gray away from certain media and Mike attempting to find his inner chill, which is a nice way to, to put what I'm doing right now. I like that. How has sleep changed for you both in the time since starting these things, if at all? Has it changed for you, yoga man? No. Nah. No? <laughs> Nothing. Really? My sleep stuff is like, I impose that upon myself, right? Like, I, I, cr- I have created a construct in, in which I operate. Like, I... I'm not really giving anything the ability to change it. <laughs> can, can you elaborate on what what exactly you mean by that strange sentence? I know. It's like, you know, I wake up when I wake up right. based upon, like, what I'm doing on a day, right? So, like, that's how, I, you know, I'll either wake up earlier or I'll wake up later depending on how busy a day is. And I'll always go to sleep between, like, 1 and 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Because that's just when I like to watch YouTube videos or whatever. Right. I don't really pay attention to like, oh, I feel tired now. I'll go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right. I, I'm kind of in this silly routine that I'm in that I do because it provides me with enjoyment. And also I hate laying in bed to go to sleep. I hate right. it. You only go to sleep when Morpheus catches you. You're exactly. Not, you're not leaping into the arms of sleep. No, it's just, it's, I just don't really like it. Because, I mean, I know this is probably horrific for you, but, like, I lay in bed and I think too much, and then it's just, like, for, you know, I know that, like, this is against kind of what you're doing right now, which is, like, allowing your brain to think more. Totally understand, but, like, it typically just doesn't leave me feeling good. Like, it just leaves me feeling stressed. That's why I was wondering if the yoga was making any difference in that, because that that's that was my memory when we last talked about sleep, that you have anxious thoughts at night sometimes, and I thought... Yeah. Is the yoga helping with that? At well, all? I don't know because I'm not allowing. You know, right. like maybe it would. I don't know, but I haven't allowed it to take an effect. You should try focusing on the breath when you go to sleep, Mike. Just as you're watching the YouTube videos and in bed, focus on the breath. You should give it a try. I'm sure it would. I mean, yeah, it probably would help, but like. I'm not in a desire to make a change, you know? No, I understand. I kind of like that time. Yeah, if it works for you, like it works for you. For now. What about you then? Ugh. Again, you're pushing me up against these boundaries with your questions today, Mike. I just, it's not my question. You select the question. Or the, the question selects the show. Is that how it works for Ask Cortex? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, so I've had this interesting relationship with sleep. and. When I came back from traveling this summer, one of the things to which order could not be put was waiting for me upon arrival. And let's just say for the whole of the month of August, I was experiencing horrific, semi-random interruptions in my sleep for like a time period and a duration that I had just never experienced before. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you laughing at over there, Mike? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> and man, let me let me tell you that I have I have never been one who deals well with disruptions to my sleep schedule. I've always been aware, like this is a thing I seem more sensitive to than than most people. But boy, I've never I've never had sustained disruption like this and I think perhaps without exaggeration 
that this most recent August was the least productive I have been during the entire adult life that I have lived thus far. It was one of those things where I didn't even like quite realize how poorly I was doing because I lacked the mental facilities to be able to recognize it. But, uh, you know, I caught myself doing things like, oh, making coffee in the morning because, of course, I need coffee. And I'm like, doop doop doo like doing all these, these little pieces and, and getting it all ready together. And then somehow, I don't know why, but I would microwave the container of cream that I intended to put in the coffee when the coffee didn't need heating up at all. And obviously the coffee should go in the microwave, but I would be suddenly faced with, oh, there's a pot of like boiling cream in the microwave. And I did this, (laughs) right? (laughs) Doesn't seem dangerous. No, it was, but like a number of those things happened, which toward the end of August, which really snapped me out of like, whoa, dude, you are operating at this terrible mental capacity and it's entirely through sleep disruption and it's it's actually interesting so I I ended up reading a bunch of stuff about sleep which I think I haven't done since I was a teenager and it turns out like oh we actually know a whole bunch through science now about you know what sleep is doing and like way more seems to be known now than whenever the last time I looked into this and I really found my mind changed on this topic where I don't, I've always just thought of sleep as, oh, this is something that you need to do. And if you don't do it, obviously you suffer the next day, but whatever, like it's just this background thing in your life. And after reading a bunch of the current science on sleep, I much more think of, of having disruptive sleep as a, as a much more direct negative health consequence in your life that it's it's almost it's almost like being exposed to secondhand smoke or something like the science on what happens to you when you don't sleep regularly and well is just terrifying uh and so i i have on the order of of things that are important to me i've basically put trying to have a regular uninterrupted sleep schedule at the very top that like this is the thing that should be one of the most important things that you're aiming for on a on a like a what is a good day basis because if you don't have this everything else becomes way way harder so we can put this under the umbrella of year of order because i have dramatically realized much more so the importance of regular sleep uh in my life and i've i've elevated it thusly in my system so go to sleep at regular times mike Uh, they are regular for me (laughs) (laughs) brian wants to know if you could have a roomba like robot that automated another boring household chore what chore would it be oh Do you have to work in the constructs of reality here, or can it just be like a robot that does it? Why don't you tell me what you're thinking, and then we can decide. I want the dishwasher to be able to collect the dishes inside of itself automatically. Like, it should be able to go around and pick up the dishes and put the dishes in it, and then put the dishes back. That's what I would want my dishwasher to do. Now, Mm. obviously... That seems too complicated. I feel like you could only have one of those. Either the dishwasher could collect the stuff and wash it, 
or the dishwasher could wash it and put it back in a specific place. Well, look, you know, either would be an improvement, but yeah. it's the it's the management dishwashers. They're amazing, but I want them to do more steps <laughs> and loading the dishwasher. I hate it. And taking things out of the dishwasher. I also hate it. It's fiddly. It's it's awful. So I think the reason that Roombas are the only household robot that exists is because this is the only constrained problem domain that can be solved with the current level of technology. Or the other one, which is the mopping robot, right? But like it's the same thing. Yeah, but it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Or it's or the lawn mowing robot. They're all the same thing. They're all the same. There's a space Mm -hmm. that you need to traverse and it has boundaries and you're just gonna have a little thing go around and, and traverse it. Like in the world of automation, household chores will be the last thing to fall because you need to build an Android to do it because like every house is just so peculiar and particular and every task is so futzy that it, it turns out that this is actually a, like a deeply human task is being able to keep your house in order. So, but anyway, I would want the dishes. Mike, what are you going to realistically propose as the as the thing? A dishwasher. You don't have a dishwasher? No. You know I don't oh. have a dishwasher. I just can't think of fathom it because it, it's right? it's no it's not that i can't fathom it it's just it's so horrible to think about that i block it from my mind that you don't have a dishwasher and and you have to wash the dishes by hand i mm-hmm. i just don't i don't like to think of you in that way it makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> i don't have one we do want one but to get one we need to reorganize the entire kitchen to right. fit it in we have space for it but you, we can't just put it in. Like, that's not how our kitchen is built. So, like, this is, like, one of those future projects because we would get a lot of value out of having a dishwasher. Um, but it's a very, you know, it's a very simple robot, but it's like a machine that we could bring into our home that would take away a significant chore, which is washing the dishes. Because as people who cook, we generate a lot of dishwashing. Right. So every day... There are multiple pots and pans that need to be washed, right? And it's it's so it's a job. It is a significant job every single day for us. So it would mm. be great to have a dishwasher. Yeah, I mean, as someone who orders a lot of food, it also generates quite quite a lot of dishes because you have to put the food on the on the dish and then you eat it. You could just eat out of the packaging, man. And, and then Come on, <laughs> you could go the paper plate lifestyle. Paper, unless you're having a barbecue. I think the paper plates make the food taste weird. I don't like eating off paper plates. It's Do you gross. think this is a, a genuine thing or like a mental thing? I think it's a mental thing. It's totally okay. it's, it's totally a mental thing. I'm not okay. I'm not saying that there's like paper molecules in the food. Yeah. It's just it feel you know, like if someone puts a piece of paper on your tongue, there's a that there's a feeling like, ah, I don't like that. Like yeah. eating food off a paper plate, unless it's at a barbecue, kind of feels like that to me. Sounds like you might be licking the plates. I'm not licking the plates. No, I'm not licking the plates. I'm just saying it's it's gross, and we and dishes are terrible. So I'm glad at least we both agree the same topic is is the clear the clear big problem in the house. Dishes, dishes. This question comes from a fish in a cloud, which is a great that's just a great username. I feel like you're never actually free from someone controlling what you do in your job. For self-employed people, it's the audiences or clients that influence what you do, and you get caught out by when things aren't done right. You're always sort of working for someone. Have you and Gray ever felt like you were pressured into a decision by the audience? 
Or was there a point where you had to make a difficult decision based on audience responses? Let's tackle this in two parts. Hmm. Like part one is like the idea of always having a boss. Hmm. Because like it's totally true. There's always someone pretty much I think that you are attempting to please which i guess is really all you're ever really doing for a a boss anyway right like you're trying to make the boss happy so the boss gives you a thumbs up and or promotion and or more money there is this idea that everybody's always working for someone i think that's it's true i've never really liked that phrasing of it but it is getting at an idea it it the thing is it's like it is on this like accordion scale that I think of this sort of stuff where it's depending on what you do, there's even more or less of it. Yeah. And, and the things that these people want are even more or less and or your ability to control and influence changes. So like, for example, I hear you know about people that do stuff that like we do that is advertising supported. I often hear the refrain of like, oh, well, your boss is now the advertiser, which is like, I understand why people think that. But the level of control that we have in that is very different to the level yeah. of control that you have or you may have with a traditional boss where it is more of a relationship of give and take where we still get to choose who we want to work with. We still get to debate how we talk about what we want to talk about. And then we also get to come to an agreement on pricing. And then there's like a structure that everybody works within, which is very different to just like your average, like you now work for this company. Here is your boss. I think to, in most situations, at least that I've ever worked in, there's way less give and take and a way more just like you're being told what to do and you work within the defined structure, then you have the ability to mold that structure. But yeah. yes, of course, right? Like we are still producing something, which is the sponsor read that they must be happy with because they're paying us, right? Like I get that. And then there's the other thing of like, well, now as a person who creates something... The audience is the boss. That is also an idea, right? That you are now working for the people that consume it, and that, and again, going into the second part of that of that question, that like now we're working for the listener. Yeah, like you're you're totally right that there's this spectrum of things, and I think that's that's partly why I don't I don't like the phrasing like oh, you know, everybody's always working for somebody. So like, yeah, because it's, the boss is so clear. Like the boss is the person who can tell you something, tell you to do something, and basically your only choice is to do it or to quit. They'll hire or fire. That's what they do. Yeah. They hire you and they can fire you. And and that that's yeah. when it's like, well, then when you're not in that structure anymore, no one can fire me. Right? Yeah. No one can fire you. It's it becomes messier. It becomes messier because what's happening now is the thing that 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 idea is getting at is if you are participating in the economy what you now have is like this this coming together of what can you offer people and what do people want but on on what terms do those people want those things and that's that's why when someone says something like oh the bosses are now the advertisers like you're working for the advertisers or you're working for the audience it's like well not it's not the same because now it's 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 much more like it's an interaction of forces 
the audience one is is a particularly interesting example because I'll I'll say this and I'm trying to communicate an idea but the audience isn't the boss even though you're making something for the audience like you hope that they like the thing but having done this for a number of years there's a there's an interesting phenomenon I've noticed repeatedly where the audience often asks for things that you know they wouldn't actually like. <laughs> and that's a situation where it becomes very clear this like, oh, it's, there's this interaction that, that's occurring where if your boss tells you to do something that you as the employee know is like, boy, this isn't going to work out and the boss isn't going to like it at all. It's like, well, it doesn't matter because you still have to make it because that's the relationship of like the boss and someone else. But it's just interesting sometimes when I've, read comments and people ask for certain things. And you're like, I know, I'm pretty confident that if I gave you this thing, you wouldn't actually like it. I have a really and good example of this that I think we can, okay. we can talk about that won't upset anyone. Okay. Wanting the unedited show. Oh my God, that's a perfect example. Yeah, that's a perfect example. People, we get this every now and then, people say they would love to hear or they would even pay for the unedited episodes of Cortex. Yeah. You don't want them. Because they're full of the stuff that we either think is boring or mm -hmm. we did wrong. Like, no one right. wants to hear that. Like, you may want to hear it, like, for 10 minutes, but you're not going to enjoy it. Like, there's a reason that we put the time in to edit this show. And I would say that if you enjoy this show, it's because of the edit that we do to it. Yeah. Um, like, there's a reason that we cut the stuff that we cut. I don't think that in the long run anyone would particularly enjoy to hear unedited episodes. And now I wait for the flood of people that tell me that they want it, but like, just trust us on this one. You don't want that. Yeah, it's a perfect example, and and it is a particularly interesting example because of how often people will say like, put the unedited episodes up as part of the relay membership thing, and it's like I'll happily become a member. It's like, but it's. It's such an interesting thing. And then people go like, why don't they do it? Because we, they just get extra money for less work. They could just put up the unit. It's like, but this is this is exactly where it's this strange interaction. Like, I'm, we're not going to put it up because I think it would actually make things worse. Like, you don't want it. It's not interesting. And like, we wouldn't want to take your money for a thing that we're very confident you wouldn't enjoy anyway, even if you think you would. Uh, yeah, that's a, that is just an absolutely perfect example of, of this phenomenon. But there is the give and take, though, right? Because I believe, and, and I listen to what people say, and sometimes there have been threads that we started to go down, people seem not to enjoy that. So I think, okay, why don't they enjoy that? And we maybe adjust. Or there's stuff like Ask Cortex, where I'm literally asking, Mm. What do you want to hear about? And there have been many things that have spanned for longer periods of time based upon the feedback that people mm. give us, you know? So, like, I, I do believe that there is a give and take here, but I don't consider it like a boss and employee relationship because I don't think that that's what the majority of our listeners even want, right? To, like, feel like they have to tell us what to do. That's not what yeah. entertainment's about, right? Like, I don't want to go, like, every time I want to listen to a podcast I enjoy, set the parameters with the person for what I want them to talk about in advance. Like, that doesn't right. make any sense, right? But there is this element. Of course, you, you want to make sure the audience, or I believe, you want to make sure the enjoy audience is enjoying it so they'll keep returning. 
And that's why, like, I like to keep track of what people are saying, but I don't live by everything because sometimes、mm-hmm. there will be things that people don't enjoy, but you don't hear from everyone, you know. And so, like, I think I think that as a if as a creative person, it is useful to have your finger on the pulse of what some people are saying and to bear that stuff in mind. But you know, as you say, I don't think that it necessarily should be your compass. Yeah, it's a very subtle water to navigate. It is the, the like paying attention to what the audience seems to react to, either positively or negatively. But you can't let that be the navigating force of the ship. Well, you can, but it just depends on what you want to make. Like, it depends on what you're looking for. Like. I think we consider ourselves as creative people, and, and I want to be able to come up with stuff on my own. I, I don't、mm. want to just be like told what to do. Like there are people that I'm sure out there in the world that like follow audience feedback like to the T and really try and make something that they think is going to please everyone. But I don't think that that's what me and you or most people that I know really attempt to do because we consider ourselves creative, so we're trying to be creative. Mm-hmm. Which means coming up with stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for you though. Is YouTube the boss? No, but、uh, it's because I've made very sure to do everything I possibly can so that YouTube isn't the boss. But I, th- I think that, like, for a lot of creative mediums, for a lot of people, YouTube is more of a boss than some other stuff, right? Because like, there are things you have to do for YouTube to, for YouTube. As I, the algorithm, to pay attention to you, in a way that we don't need to worry about that sort of stuff because there is no real algorithm for for podcasts, right? Yeah. But for、goodness. YouTube, it's like you've got to put this into the system and this into the system for it to hopefully be picked up, and then maybe you have to put a title in this way and a thumbnail in this way. Like it, it feels more of a churn like that to like keep the algorithm happy, so it gives you the promotion. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't phrase YouTube as YouTube's the boss because the messaging is not clear about what is wanted, and yeah. Yeah, YouTube、true. often doesn't know what it wants. It tweaks the algorithm, and then there are results. YouTube is more like your boss's boss, where like you don't really know what they want. <laughs> You're just trying to react to whatever's happening. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I think of it a little bit like the weather, and. <laughs> like oh boy, the YouTube weather—it's—it's it's blowing in a lot of drama this week. That's、uh-huh. you know that's what it that's what it wants. And it's like oh, next week it's it's nothing but clear skies and twenty-minute videos. That's what it that's what it wants this week. And it's like okay, well whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows? But、uh, I I don't think YouTube is a boss. YouTube is a unpredictable weather system. 